0: I'm Dr. Ann Hallward, and this is a special program from Safe Space Radio. Approximately one-third of Americans struggle with loneliness, and new data suggests that loneliness causes so much stress that it literally shortens our lives.
1: Lacking social connection was comparable to smoking up to 15
2: cigarettes per day.
0: And yet loneliness often goes unaddressed. Because we have such a hard time talking about it.
2: I think of myself as, oh, alone, and loneliness as somehow like a defect.
0: Over the next hour, we will be talking about feeling lonely and discovering some of the surprising things that we can do about it, with benefits that extend far beyond ourselves.
3: It makes it not suffering anymore. It's, it's a connection to people I never would have gotten to know.
0: That's all coming up from Safe Space Radio. You're listening to Can We Talk, a show from Safe Space Radio about the subjects we'd struggle with less if we could talk about them more. I'm Dr. Ann Hallward, a psychiatrist in Portland, Maine. When we talk about loneliness, we're really talking about lacking the most fundamental human need, connection with others. This need for connection is so strong that not having it can literally shorten our lives. The thing that makes loneliness even more painful is that it's hard to talk about. Even though experiencing loneliness is part of being human, it can still feel like a personal failing.
2: I think of myself as, oh, alone and loneliness as somehow like a defect. I have tons of friends and family who are very supportive, but there's still sometimes that piece of, of time that feels lonely, that feels like a failure, like something's wrong. There's like a stigma about it that I'm still struggling to let go of.
0: After Ellen Corson got divorced, she was surprised to find that she struggled not with being single, but with sharing custody of her son and living in an empty house half the time.
2: You know, I was thinking about this uh, kind of like the Hallmark card idea of what your life is supposed to be like and surrounded by people all the time and and joy and, you know, someone baking a cake or whatever. Um, and it's not, that's not really... What life is like, and I know that intellectually, but there's still a part of me that feels like it's some sort of uh, lacking in what I'm doing if I do have, you know, a night when I'm not um, with other people. I mean, if you think about 50% of marriages ending in divorce, and then a lot of people who have children, and then the, with the custody rules the way they are, that it's happening, but I've never heard other people talk about it. Maybe that's part of the problem. On top of that, loneliness can be unpredictable.
0: We might feel it even when we're surrounded by people, friends, co-workers, loved ones. So what do we really mean when we say the word lonely? Well, if we
1: go back to the definition of loneliness, people refer to it as this discrepancy between one's actual level of connection and
0: one's desired level of connection. That's Julianne Holt-Lunstad, a psychology professor at Brigham Young University who researches social behavior. She says that loneliness is about the difference between the connections we want and the ones we feel we have, which means it doesn't really matter whether or not you know a lot of people. It's about whether or not you have the kind of connection with them that you actually want and need. Studies show that a lot of the U.S. population is lonely. There's a wide range of estimates, but most say between 25 and 50 percent. But even if you went on more of the conservative end
1: of this, 25 percent, that means a quarter of the population is affected by this. And when there is anything that affects a quarter of the population,
0: this is something we need to take seriously. To determine just how serious loneliness is, Professor Holt Lundstad and her research team asked a simple question. Is feeling lonely bad for your health? What we found was that lacking social
1: connection was comparable to smoking up to 15 cigarettes per day and exceeded that of obesity, air pollution, physical inactivity, and excessive alcohol consumption.
0: Research shows a link between loneliness and lots of common health issues. Everything from heart disease to dementia to the common cold can be made worse by loneliness. I just want to pause and emphasize this. My whole life, I've been asked by doctors about smoking, alcohol, exercise, but I have never once been asked about loneliness. And it turns out to be just as important. The more lonely we feel, the more likely it is that we will die younger. But what's interesting is that the protective
1: effects of being socially connected were actually stronger, which I I think adds a hopeful note to this. While there is risk, associated with these social deficits, there's an even stronger protective effect of being socially connected.
0: So if, if I was lonely or isolated, I might have a 30% increased risk of dying younger. But if I was really connected, I would have an even bigger chance of li- living longer.
1: Yeah, you have a 50% chance of living longer.
0: It's hard for people to acknowledge when they feel lonely. So many researchers use a test called the UCLA Loneliness Scale to ask about it indirectly. Participants react to a series of statements. I feel in tune
1: with the people around me. I lack companionship. There's no one I can turn to. I have a lot in common with other people. I feel left out. Uh, There are people I can talk to or there are people I can turn to. You can see how someone might not want to admit that they're lonely, But when it comes to some of these items, they may actually be quite profoundly lonely. And so that's why sometimes these kinds of measures are are useful because of the shame around admitting that you are lonely.
0: Shame not only makes it harder to talk about loneliness, it also gets in the way of doing anything about it. The longer we're lonely, the more we withdraw, the more isolated we become. What starts as self-protection can turn into a pretty deep hole. Chronic loneliness wears on us, physically and emotionally. Perhaps the worse that loneliness is, the harder it is to actually name it. There are many reasons why loneliness is on the rise nationwide. As a population, we have fewer children, we get divorced more often, and families often live far away from each other. More of us, at all ages, live and work alone than ever before. One of the most common causes of loneliness is moving. When we're faced with a new place, new people, maybe a new job, a little loneliness is to be expected.
4: Loneliness feels like you're in a room that's very familiar to you, and all of a sudden the lights go out. You turn around and you try to find things that feel familiar to get your bearings, but you can't. You're just spinning in a circle, and it seems like it's never-ending. That's Jarrah Sturdivant-Wilson, Jarrah and her
0: husband, Kenley, got married in Omaha, Nebraska. They had close friends there. They knew their neighbors and were involved in their community. Then Jarrah got a job offer across the country in Charleston, South Carolina. And right after they moved, they found out that Jarrah was pregnant.
4: I don't know what the opposite of a perfect storm would be, but it was like an imperfect storm of three things that happened all at once that you should never do at the same time. Moving, having a baby, and then starting a new job. On top of all those major changes,
0: their daughter Beau was born five weeks early. Jarrah had to stay in the hospital, and
4: Beau was in the intensive care unit. She was just so tiny and had all these little wires connected to her, and I am recovering from having an epidural so I can't walk and I can't get myself to the bathroom. And when I realized there was no one I could call who could come see me quickly or who would understand how I was feeling in that moment, I just cried and cried, and there was nothing that I could do.
0: In the dark hours of the night when you're alone in your bed, what what were you imagining or where was your mind going when you were really struggling?
4: I always knew there was something that would connect me to my ancestors, and being in Charleston, South Carolina, it's really, really something that I really pick up on a lot. They say that 75% of blacks in the United States can trace their roots back here and that being part of the slave ships. And I remember where we were in the hospital and thinking, who in my family's lineage has come through this area? And when I was pushing and not pushing and breathing as I'm birthing a baby, I thought, these women are around me. I can feel them, and I know they're encouraging me, and I know that they are here. And that's something that I carried with me Even in the dark parts of the room, in the hospital room, I would remember sitting and closing my eyes when I was by myself and just thinking about these women sitting around me and encouraging me and being almost a balm of healing as I'm realizing these women have done it before me and the women before them did it before them. So I felt a real connection to my lineage. So although I wasn't around people, who were tangible and in-person and alive. I felt a real connection spiritually to others who had gone through dark times of their lives to get me to where I am now. Meanwhile, Jarrah's husband, Kenley, navigated
0: his own loneliness. It really hit him one evening, driving home from work, a few months after Jarrah and Bo came home from the hospital.
5: I'm like... Usually, like blasting music on the way home, and and I find myself not even turning the radio on. And I sit there and I'm like, you know, I miss my friends. I miss my my road dogs. You know, I miss the people, those people who got me, or feel like they got me. I my drive from work to home was about twenty twenty five minutes, and it's and I find myself really difficult to navigate the road because my you know I'm, I'm crying, and I'm like, it's I didn't know I felt this. Lonesome, and so it was really like it was really eye opening for me to understand that you know even me the guy who's always you know jovial always happy that loneliness can can kind of can make you grieve.
4: Would you have told me how you're feeling if I hadn't asked you?
5: I don't know. I don't think so. I tried to I tried to pull it back. I tried to stop it. I didn't want to cry. I thought it would pass. But I didn't, I didn't think it was as severe as it was. You know, sometimes we just have to name things. You know, and we have to name it. Like, I wasn't calling it loneliness, I was calling it missing my friends. But something I found out in therapy is like, you're normal if you feel this way. You're normal if you get upset. You're normal if you get these things. It's just a part about being a human. And I think it's important to call it what it is and to be okay with. Having, it, having experienced it.
0: Loneliness isn't just something that happens in isolation. It also happens in close relationships. One study from 2012 found that more than half of the people reporting chronic loneliness were married.
5: We have a brand new house. We, I've got a new job that I love, um, a brand new baby, and a partner. And so it's like, what could there be, what is there to be this sad about? I had a lot of things to be happy about, but it that, that still didn't make me not lonely at the time.
0: So how can we navigate loneliness in our intimate relationships? We can't single-handedly fix it for each other. But if we can talk about it, we might be able to help strategize, to make plans for when loneliness comes up.
4: I think, especially for moms of color, it's, there are so many opportunities to connect with people online. There's no reason to go alone and even if you are alone, say you are a single parent and in a city that's new and your baby is fussy, it is not forever. Part of what's so hard about postpartum loneliness is that new parents
0: might feel guilty for feeling lonely. We feel like we're supposed to be loving every minute so we don't talk about it, which only feeds the fear that we are the only ones feeling lonely
4: and overwhelmed. I felt pressure to feel excited and that you should be very excited to be a new mom and you should be very excited that you are able to stay at home for a little bit and I felt incredibly lonely and didn't know how to tell other people that I just want to have someone come over to just have human interaction. I used to lead a group for postpartum women
0: and found that so many new mothers felt the same way, longing for other adults to talk to, and often ashamed to feel lonely when they felt they should be happy. There are two other groups of people that research shows are most at risk for loneliness, teenagers and the elderly. We'll be hearing about both these groups in a minute, and we'll explore what makes loneliness more likely and more difficult at these stages of life. That's all coming up after.
6: Support for this program comes from the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and we're happy to share the following public service announcement.
0: Every year, millions of Americans are exposed to a contagious virus. What is this virus? It's stigma.
7: Stigma promotes an environment of shame.
0: Fear and silence. Which prevents millions of people from seeking help. But there's good news.
5: The National Alliance on Mental Illness believes stigma towards mental illness is 100% curable.
0: So do yourself and everyone a favor.
3: Go to CureStigma.org and get tested for stigma.
0: You're listening to Can We Talk? A show from Safe Space Radio about the subjects we'd struggle with less if we could talk about them more. I'm Dr. Ann Hallward. Older adults are at a disproportionately high risk for loneliness. A big part of this is the nature of aging. We start to lose our friends, families live further apart, and health problems can make it harder to go out and see friends. Hearing loss can also leave someone feeling left out even when surrounded by people. I spoke to Dr. Carla Parisonato, a geriatrician who's an expert on aging and loneliness. In 2012, I actually conducted a study
8: looking at adults over the age of 60 who reported feeling loneliness and saw that for people who were lonely it actually increased their risk of losing their function, so losing their independence, and increased their risk of dying solely by feeling lonely regardless of what their medical problems were. Since I did that study, what I've turned to more is thinking about what is our role as healthcare professionals in understanding people's experience of loneliness and how it affects their health and then my other interest is certainly in understanding what kinds of things actually can help ameliorate loneliness. The other thing that specifically for older adults that I truly believe underlies a lot of this is ageism. Um, Kind of an embarrassing moment for me but also, something that really made me think of the work that I do, and and you know, being a daughter, um, my, you know, my mom once, I don't know, she was giving me an advice, and I think I found it annoying, and you know, she stopped and she said, you know, Carla, it is hard for me as I get older, and you're a professional, to know how I can relate and how I can add value to your life. And it was such a powerful moment that I realized like, why am I being such a pain in the behind? Unless we truly, you know, change how we characterize older adults and how we relegate them into this fear of not being important and change how we view aging and see that there's many different models of aging and there is beauty in aging, and
0: there's knowledge with aging, and there's history that we don't value. Carla's mom, Gloria, is 75 years old and originally from Mexico City, but she now lives in California, far away from her two adult daughters. Recent foot surgery has also kept her from visiting friends. This is how she describes loneliness.
9: Complete emptiness within you, that you have, that you have nothing that you have nothing to look forward to you have no feeling of of being able to to go to go ahead with your life this is not going to get better it's going to get worse it's going to be get worse because i i will be older i will probably end up with a more health problems just that that's just nature things will start failing
0: Gloria feels acutely what so many of us experience with loneliness. The way loneliness makes us feel out of control, helpless, or empty. The way it can block our ability to imagine a better future. Some people have described the feeling of loneliness as a kind of fear that I am unlovable.
9: Oh, yes. I'm glad you mentioned it. Because I um, I just don't see what people could see in me, why they would like to be with me. And I now I... I cherish any, any um, compliment that I get. I think my, my life has ended in terms of, of accomplishments. What do I have to offer? It scares me, but while I can help it, I am trying to be the best company that I can.
0: It sounds like it really makes you question your own value.
9: Oh, yes, for sure. Last year, Gloria
0: went through something that a lot of people her age experience. She lost her husband.
9: It would have been 50 years this past December. He died in September, just short of of three months uh, before our 50th wedding anniversary. Loneliness and grief together is the worst thing that anybody can ever experience. The pain that he's not here and knowing that this is what my life is going to be like, that I'm going to be alone. Now that he's gone, I I have I have lost it. <sighs> Having to cope with, with the pain, um, the emotional pain and also knowing that I'm coming home to an empty house. It's it's been very, very difficult, very painful. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to, to feel an empty and quiet. Uh, house, I just don't. I can't. That's that's too much for me. So I go from room to room, turning the TV on, and entertaining my mind so that I I don't see, I don't face the reality that I am alone. Um, I even sl- sleep uh, with the TV on, even though my daughter Carla says that I shouldn't do that. Well, no, I'm sorry, but the TV is my companion. <laughs> At, at all times, I, I like the little noise, you know, uh, on all, all, all the time. Not a loud noise, but at, at times almost a whisper. But that way I don't feel alone.
0: A little later in our conversation, just as we were saying goodbye, I reached out to Gloria. I want you to know, I wish I lived closer. I would come over tomorrow with cookies. I You are really a joy to connect with and to are you, listen are you, are you to. Are you and...
9: serious? Because like I said, I don't think I I can give any... I don't mm. think I can give anything to, to you or to society.
0: I am so serious. You're so authentic. For me, that is worth so much more than polite conversation that's filled with BS.
9: Well that is so that is you. the
0: greatest thing I want in a relationship <laughs> with anybody.
9: Well thank you and thank you. And you know, sometimes I hear oh she's so blunt. Oh she she's <laughs>
0: Well, that's part of what I really like, actually. (laughs) Me too. As we heard earlier, Gloria's daughter, Carla, is a geriatrician and an expert on aging and loneliness. After the death of her father, Carla invited her mom to come live with her, but Gloria declined. She didn't want to leave her friends in Santa Barbara. Carla told me about many approaches she takes working with patients around loneliness. She recommended everything from support groups to home nursing to call-in systems. She described one program in San Francisco called the Senior Center Without Walls. So what this program does is actually offer
8: programs of different interests by phone. For example, I have a gentleman who I care for who is an avid art collector, loved going to museums. He can't do that as easily anymore. And they do these virtual museum visits by, some of them are internet-based and some are phone-based. There's also sessions for current events to discuss what's going on current events in a group. There may be a bereavement group by phone that works with people. So these are the types of things that are fascinating in terms of
0: what is available for people that are homebound. There's no one size fits all approach to loneliness and what helps can be surprisingly creative and simple. When
8: my father died, my cousin created this WhatsApp group chat and It is this way that my mom can connect with all of us on a daily basis, even if it's just a check-in. I don't think it, you know, it certainly doesn't replace my dad. It doesn't replace, you know, me being there in person, but to have this moment of connection and where she can also tell us like what she's been watching on the news is incredible. So you and your sister and your mom have a daily chat on WhatsApp? Um, And many other family members. It like spans a couple countries. (laughs) So yes, yes. You know, my mom and I have never directly talked about her being lonely. Um, it's it's kind of this, I've known about it, or I've assumed. It can be scary to talk to a family member or a friend about their experience of loneliness because it's really hard to sit with those emotions. And so I think that, you know, for myself, like here I am a geriatrician, I understand aging, I'm a researcher on loneliness, and I'm incredibly fearful to talk to my mom about it. Um, and I think that, you know I just need to say that (laughs) because it's real and it's true um but it's you know they're they are painful emotions and it is absolutely hard to know that that is what you know my mom is going through and I feel like I can't fix it and I don't have all the answers
0: if you did open that dialogue with her is there anything that you'd really want to say to her (sighs) What would I want to
8: say? In English, we often say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're feeling this way. In Spanish, I'm sorry is actually lo siento, which means I feel it. And I think that that's what I would want to say, is that I feel it also.
0: lonely is kind of a catch-22. If you don't tell anyone, you're stuck suffering alone. But if you do tell people, you may fear that they'll think you're too needy and pull away. Loneliness can make us fear that we're unlikable. It can make us question everything. Bella Marinos is a high school student in Northern California who has struggled with loneliness.
6: I was a junior and I was surrounded by a lot of people. But I felt like I just wasn't there. The friend group that I had, I couldn't really relate to them. I just, I felt kind of stuck in a way. I just felt alone. I would wake up with a terrible stomach ache,
0: um, and it kept happening. Being a teenager can feel like living in a pressure cooker. Everyone is trying to find a place to fit in, a place to belong and yet social and academic competitiveness are at a peak. This makes teens especially vulnerable to loneliness. Whether or not social media helps or hurts our mental health is complicated, but the fact is 94% of teenagers go online daily. And studies show that the more hours we use our smartphones, the more we're at risk for depression and suicide, especially between the ages of 13 and 17.
6: You know, everybody's only gonna post the things that show them being happy but what people don't realize is that you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes or what's going on around that picture you don't know if they got in a super big fight with their family you'll never know but everything's perfect and wonderful on social media my school is very academically competitive but to the point where people are not friendly to each other Everyone is obsessively talking about their grades, their scores, their this, their that, their GPA. Oh, what's like, you know, what could I do to raise it? It's being, you know, uh, Snapchatted and texted and FaceTimed and all of the above.
0: Bella remembers finally talking about loneliness after her dad noticed that something wasn't right.
6: It was around the evening time. I had just gotten back from going to swim practice for the first time in a week and a half. And, you know, I was at the door. I had all my bags. I was basically, like, breathless from working out all afternoon. And then he I feel like he could see that panic in my eyes when he noticed me walk through the door. That's when he asked me, like, are you okay? And I told him, like, no, I'm really not. I don't feel good you know just alone i felt completely like i didn't belong anywhere and he he told me like oh it'll be okay and i was like dad but it feels like it won't be i feel horrible sometimes That was the moment where he finally said you know what i've felt that too and i feel like that sometimes and that really changed the way that i looked at him and but for the positive because then i realized like this is someone that i could truly go to for advice because he's gone through the same thing
0: after talking with her dad bella decided to take a different approach to her loneliness Her first move was to start doing things by herself.
6: I had stopped sitting with my friends because I had noticed that even outside of school, they would all collectively hang out without me and, um, you know, they were making group chats without me, things like that. It was just, I felt like I was constantly, like, forgotten. So I got frustrated and I was like, "I, I you know, I can't sit with you guys anymore because I don't feel included at all. and. If anything, it made me feel better. I kind of, I stopped feeling sick to my stomach before going to school. I didn't really feel tired of the time. You know, I I really do think that I made a choice that helped me out, even though I didn't recognize it right at that moment.
0: So when you say you made a choice, tell me about that choice. I made the
6: choice to focus on making myself happy and doing things that made me happy you know i could go to the beach i can you know take a walk with my dog wow i could go and get ice cream from wherever i want and just do all these things maybe by myself sometimes but it kind of felt good because i chose to be that way instead of feeling like i was consistently trying to fit in and i was getting rejected it sounds like the difference between
0: choosing solitude and feeling lonely
6: I feel like loneliness is when you're constantly trying to, like, fit in with other people, or you're trying to make friends, or you're actively trying to be around people, but failing or, you know, feeling like you failed to do that, whereas, you know, being independent is,
0: like, doing what you want and feeling happy doing it, even if it's by yourself. In psychiatric terms, I might frame Bella's decision as a shift in reference point, from external to internal. An external reference point keeps us measuring ourselves by other people's standards and trying to please them. When we can shift to an internal reference point, our decisions are more shaped by what feels right inside. That shift might sound like it could worsen isolation, but it actually does the opposite. The more we inhabit ourselves, the more likely we are to find people we connect with. That's how it worked for Bella. Once she decided to focus on her own well-being, she started meeting other people with the same goal. She started volunteering with a group called, coincidentally, Safe Space. It's a program that works to reduce stigma about mental health struggles for high schoolers. We're a bunch of kids
6: that come together and we brainstorm about what we think our community needs. We strive to reduce the stigma of getting help and we basically just work to improve the lives of others.
0: What has it meant to you to be part of that community?
6: I love this community. This is a space where I fit in and where you can go up to anyone and make a conversation. Everyone's just
0: stellar. There's a consensus among mental health professionals that community service is a powerful way to combat loneliness. There's something about giving that not only helps you connect with others, it also helps you feel better about yourself. Bella hit on one other thing that I want to mention because it's something that so many experts agree can make a huge difference. Did having a dog help you? Oh yeah, he is the
6: cutest little thing on this planet. I mean, he's 3 pounds and that dog has an attitude a mile long, but he knows when something's up with me or with anybody in my family. That dog just knows and um I noticed that like when I was feeling not as well, he would come up and he'd take a nap with me or He'd make sure to like jump around or just just even sit by me or, you know, let me pet him,
0: things like that. He just knew and it, it made the world of a difference. When we come back, we'll explore more creative approaches to coping with loneliness. Solutions that can make all the difference, not only to you, but to others as well. After the break.
6: Support for this program comes from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, developing solutions to support strong families and communities to help ensure a brighter future for America's children. More information is available at aecf.org.
0: You're listening to Can We Talk?, a show from Safe Space Radio about the subjects we'd struggle with less if we could talk about them more. Loneliness is part of why I started Safe Space Radio. When I moved to Maine in 2001, I left behind a teaching job that I really loved. I had great students and colleagues. My new home was out in the country. I didn't know anybody. I missed my friends. I was hungry for conversations that felt intimate and authentic. I felt lonely. At work, I kept hearing that the core of my patients' suffering was how alone they felt with their struggles, that they couldn't tell anyone what they really felt. I still wonder if that feeling of aloneness itself might be the worst part of any struggle. Safe Space Radio was a double solution. I wanted to help reduce shame and stigma and isolation, but making radio also allowed me to address my own loneliness. I met so many people, and I started to have the conversations I longed for. I like to think of loneliness as a kind of summons, an invitation to dig deep, a call to make something new happen. For Allison Thompson, social media became a tool to combat loneliness, not just for herself, but for others too. I
10: identify as um, biracial, mixed, half white, half black. It's sort of been an evolving identity as I've been exploring it, feeling more comfortable to identify predominantly as a black mixed race person. The way that I, I tend to, to describe loneliness is a lack of belonging, of not being enough. Something that is a, is a common term in the mixed community is imposter syndrome. And so trying to prove your worth to, to belong somewhere. And um, I think my particular struggle was feeling black enough um, I, I felt almost in a sense that my, my whiteness, my white mom, my white side of the family kind of disqualified me in a sense from, from being black. And I, I, I felt my visual presence sort of always made me stand out in, in white communities. I, I knew that I didn't belong there.
0: When Allison moved to St. Louis, Missouri, she began to meet a lot of other people who could identify with her experiences as a biracial person. She decided to try and create a community where everyone could meet each other.
10: Um, And so I just threw out the idea in an Instagram story of, you know, I'm really, I'm thinking about having a group where we can just meet up and, and talk about being mixed. And so I put out a poll and everybody was like, yes, you totally need to do this. Like, I would love to come.
0: She called the group Mixed Feelings. Around 15 people showed up to the first gathering. For many there, it was the first time they'd been in a room filled with people just like them. For Allison, the group was a game changer.
10: I think it, it really helped me to feel like I was coming home to myself, that I didn't have to be at war and divided so much, that there is a space that I could be all of who I was and at home with, with other people.
0: Do you think it's often true that when one person reaches out to, as a way to address their own loneliness, that they end up reducing the loneliness of the people they're reaching out to as well?
10: Yeah, I really do. Um, one of my friends described it as the gift of going first, just to initiate an act of, of vulnerability, of openness, is such a liberating act for other people to do the same.
0: Sometimes it's only when we're pushed to our limits that we reach out. One of the top 10 causes of death in the U.S. is suicide. Since 2000, the suicide rate in the United States has gone up 30%. More people die by suicide each year than from car accidents or homicides. And a key risk factor for suicide is loneliness. John Kennedy is a peer support specialist in a psychiatric emergency room. In his role, he talks with people who come to the ER asking for help, especially those who come alone. He came to this work because a peer support specialist had helped save his life when he was at his lowest point. Here's how John describes his depression.:
3: Not leaving my apartment, not showering. I don't even remember what I ate, but I just I wasn't interested in the world out there. Um, I was really just wanting to end this pain, wanting to end the loneliness. It's beyond sadness. I don't know, loneliness and depression have um, kind of always walked hand in hand for me.
0: John saw a caseworker every two weeks, but at first he was afraid to let her know just how bad he felt. But his trust in her finally outweighed his fear.
3: And then I just said, well, I need to tell you that um, these past two weeks I've been researching suicide and I have a stash of medication to do it now. She gave me a long, hard look, and I think she made the decision when she was talking to me, because we had such a good connection. She said, well, you know, I'm not going to call crisis. She said, I want you to meet a couple of people who work at Opportunity Alliance as peer support specialists, and she called them, and uh, Hillary uh, is the person she spoke with, and uh, she invited me to come to a group called Pathways to Recovery. Just the sound of her voice, something about it said, I, sh- I got to do this. There's life there. There's connection there. There's something else, you know. And I agreed to it. And we joked a little bit. I think we joked about a Monty Python sketch or something. And I passed the phone back to my caseworker. And I heard, because iPhones, you can hear what everything they say on the other end. And I heard her say, I love him. And uh, so I, I went to the group. Um, and and I also want to point out that that was the difference right there instead of having crisis come and go to the emergency department I was introduced to to wonderful peer support specialists and they're amazing just by being honest with my caseworker put me to where I am now two years later and really feeling like I have purpose and definitely not lonely I try to find ways to get away and be alone now so I can recharge (laughs)
0: I think for some people being really lonely is, is really so frightening in itself because it's so painful that it feels like it sort of changes them afterward. Mm. Would you say that you're different now? And if so, how?
3: I'm not afraid of it now. It's kind of leaning into it instead of trying to fight a darkness away. It's leaning into it. You can have a dialogue with the darkness or whatever it is you're, you're struggling with. And I have a dialogue with suicide. It, can cross my mind any day and it does at least once a day like hey that's an option it's there yep it's there i don't need it right now
0: (laughs) what has it meant to you to be able to take your own suffering and turn it into a gift for other people
3: it makes it not suffering anymore it's it's a connection to people i've never would have gotten to know and a lot of people That I met in the emergency department, well, the people I had good connections with would say thank you, would say thank you, you know, and really mean it and hold my hand while they shook it with both hands. And I I felt just as thankful as they did. I couldn't believe I was getting paid for it, walking out of there feeling so full of positivity, love, and um, like, wow, no one will ever, no one else will ever know the level that we got to in that room, the connection we had, and how amazing it was.
0: John's recovery started with the choice to reveal himself, to tell someone that he was lonely. That can often be the hardest part. So many of us hide the parts of ourselves that we fear may be seen as bad or unlovable because we fear rejection, judgment, or even prejudice and discrimination. Some differences are highly visible, but others are not. It can feel dangerous to reveal these things about ourselves. This is the power of stigma. On the outside, it might look like we're fitting in, while on the inside, we're actually very lonely. Mental illness is one experience that can feel like this. Too many people experiencing major mental illness still fear that they'll lose their friends, their job, or their safety if they reveal themselves. The same is true with coming out. I was raised in a very
7: charismatic Christian environment. A lot of heaven and hell talk. I learned the word homosexuality in the same sentence that I learned the word abomination. And so growing up, hell was a very clear and present danger if you stray off the path. And homosexuality was like a quick stray
0: off the path. That's Annie McCarthy. For a long time, Annie appeared to belong, but only because she was hiding a big part of herself. I had
7: been working and living in the world of Christian music in in Nashville um, for several years, and my community of friends there were very much a huge part of my identity, but also I knew that I was gay and I knew that if I ever came out, there would be a huge
0: reckoning, and I was terrified. But in 2003, Annie took a leap and signed up for an internet dating site. One profile immediately caught her eye, a woman named Helen from Austin, Texas. So I sent her a note, and she sent
7: one back. Then the notes turned into chats, turned into phone calls, but our relationship was a secret. I was also wrestling with whether or not I was living in sin. Everything was high stakes all the time. I developed stomach ulcers, and I couldn't keep food down. And I was really depressed and really anxious and just could barely function. Annie's
0: career was taking off, but she knew that if she wanted to keep her friends, her community, and her job, coming out really wasn't an option. She was at a friend's house one afternoon when things came to a head.
7: So I'm sitting on
0: her couch and she
7: asks me, actually she doesn't ask me, she says to me, I know. And in a moment, I feel the chasm growing between us. Her eyes kind of change and this kind of creative muse friend of mine has become essentially an interrogator. She starts with rapid-fire questions. Why haven't I told her? Who's this woman I'm dating? Am I sleeping with her? These are all the questions that I've super been afraid of for years. And I start answering her questions as fast as she's firing them off, like, like I'm a kid in trouble. And my friend looks at me and she says... But doesn't God call for us to lay things down? Shouldn't I sacrifice my relationship to stay on the righteous path? And there it all is. That is the heart of my fear of loneliness that kept me in the closet for years and kept me super careful about how I came out that if I tell the truth about myself, I will be abandoned. And to add insult to injury, I will have to sacrifice the love of my life. I will be alone. In the end, I did lay myself bare to all of my friends without apology for who I am. I chose to move forward with an open invitation for them to come along if they wanted to, and they chose not to. But it was a healthier, fear-free expression of that loneliness.
0: What, what would be your advice just to other people who are struggling with loneliness as they are coming out? What would you really want them to know?
7: That loneliness is inevitable, I think but it doesn't have to be your enemy, that you don't have to be afraid of it. And loneliness does not mean that you are alone. Loneliness means that you're kind of alone with your feelings right now and your experience right now, but find your people. I know that some people literally do not know anybody that would support them, but we live in a very connected world now, and there are resources like the Trevor Project who will be support for you and help you find your safe people as you go through this. Someday you're gonna wake up and the first thought in your mind is not gonna be, yep, I'm still gay. It's not gonna be something that you consciously think about, just like straight people don't wake up and say, yep, still straight. And I didn't think that it would ever be that integrated that much of an integrated part of my identity. And 15 years later, I just, I'm I'm married. This is my wife, these are my kids, this is my life, and yeah, it's awesome.
0: If you or someone you know is struggling with the pain or loneliness of coming out, The Trevor Project is a great place to go for help. Their website is full of resources, and they provide 24-hour-a-day, safe, judgment-free conversation at 1-866-488-7386. Or you can go to thetrevorproject.org. We all have things that we're afraid to come out with, things that we keep to ourselves for fear of how they might change the way that people think of us, things like needing help or being afraid, We hide these parts of ourselves because we think we're protecting our relationships. But in fact, it leaves us feeling more alone. As we explored loneliness, we heard some of the same recommendations over and over again. Talk about it. Don't be afraid to tell people when you feel lonely. Call a support hotline or join online communities and chat rooms. If you can't find one that meets your needs, create your own. Call on your ancestors for support in moments of great need. And remind yourself that loneliness doesn't last forever. Turn your loneliness into solitude by choosing to enjoy activities that you can do by yourself. Go to therapy. Get enough sleep. Volunteer to help others and care for a pet. Here's Professor Julianne
1: holt Lundstadt again. It's a, a Swedish proverb that states, shared joy is double joy, shared sorrow is half sorrow. In, in America, we fiercely value our independence. And I think the unfortunate side of this is that we feel like having to rely on others is a weakness and that, you know, we should be able to tackle our problems on our own. Not that we need to be dependent, but rather interdependent. This is important, not only just to our well-being but is important to our physical health and ultimately our longevity.
0: What helps you feel less lonely? What makes you feel connected? I'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 617-600-8419. That's 617-600-8419. And leave us a message with your story. You can also leave a message there for one of our guests. You can listen to Safe Space Radio wherever you get your podcasts and find us online at safespaceradio.com. There you can listen to my full interview with Julianne holt Lundstad and get all kinds of other tips for how to cope with loneliness. You can also subscribe on our website to stay connected to us or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Safe Space Radio. Many thanks to our senior producer, Britt Hansen, program director and editor, Dana Glass, our editorial advisors, Jim Russell and John Bewin, and our reviewer, Sophie Gould. Thanks to our creative advisory committee and to all our donors who make our work possible and to listeners like you who give us a reason to make this show. I'm Dr. Ann Hallward. Thanks for listening.